uh, tonight we're going to do something different. All right, did you have anything else? Okay. And we're going to actually have a video tonight about risk and faith. Uh, I was inspired. This is this video is coming from Pastor and our class that we're taking uh, online. From uh, it's actually out of Bethel Church. It's it's their uh, leadership development course. They have a Bible college at their church, but this is not that. This is a leadership development course, and and uh, hallelujah. So we're going to see this video tonight because about two weeks ago when I watched it, I was so inspired. Hallelujah. And I want to uh, expose us to this. And because we, we, you know, we couldn't possibly all get on a plane together and go to Bethel. And if we did, they might not even have that this weekend. So in order to expose us to, to different ministries, sometimes we just like to show a video. And uh, so I want you to use, just, just act like there's no time in the Spirit. There's no distance in the Spirit. God, he does, He's not into this time thing like we are. So it could have been happening right now. So I want you to receive it just like it was right here in front of us. I want you to believe God for an impartation. I know I have prayed for all of us to receive an impartation, to receive downloads of the things that uh, God is uh, putting out here. And I will tell you concerning this video, it's three men. Now, this is not preaching. This is a actually a video conference call. And so when you see, so one of them will be talking and you'll see one of them and they're kind of looking up like this and you kind of think that's weird. But what they're looking at is people that are taking this class from all over the world, like 2,000 people. They're calling in and they're reading what they're saying and what the questions they're asking. So if you see them looking up like that while two of them are over here talking. And one of the one on this side is Paul Manwaring. The one in the middle is Chad Dedman. Chad Dedman. And the one on this side is Joaquin Evans. And so uh, I think you'll enjoy them. Uh, tonight we're been, they're going to be talking about risk and faith. And so what that's about is us all getting to the place where we have fearless Christianity. Do you think that would be a good place for all of us to go? And one of the things they talk about, and I want you to just really, and and this is one of the things I want us to catch hold of that it's a lot easier to be bold and take risk if you if you have partners in risk taking and in faith and as a church we can be those partners in risk taking and in faith with each other and I know this is a great need in my life I am a I've always I know a lot of you consider me, me to be a very bold person and I am I mean when it comes to finances, I mean, I can like, I can give away a $25,000 car and never think anything about it. I mean, I just never, I can uh, move across from Alabama from te to, to Alabama and not think a thing about it. I can speak things in these church and, and inside these four walls and I can act on things and I can come boldly to the throne of grace. All of those things of boldness are no problem to me. But to walk up to somebody in Walmart with a hearing aid zone and say, God wants to heal you. I need help. <laughs> I need a download. I need an impartation, Lord. Hallelujah. And I know some of you are good at things like that. But anyway, uh, but now if Walmart was hit by a tornado and there were wounds and bodies laying around, I'd probably be the boldest one there. I'd be, oh, here, here, Jesus. And I'll be like that if in a crisis, but just to walk up to you flat-footed and say, I see you have hearing aids. Jesus wants to heal you. I'm like, 
Okay, Lord, help me. Okay, so this is about getting bolder and riskier. Hallelujah. Riskier. Hallelujah. So uh, we're going to receive impartations tonight. And y'all believe for me. Hallelujah. Because I want to be that bold Christian. Amen. Amen. Are we having children's church? Do we have any kids? We have three kids. Are we having children's church? Huh? Okay. Whatever y'all say. I'm sure they said it made it one, but... <laughs> so this subject, this is kind of your subject really, isn't it? Like, yeah. <laughs> this one's tailor-made. Sometimes we have to squeeze our guests in and try to make it fit, but this is like... <laughs> <laughs> he wrote the book on it. Yeah. Literally. You both have, you know, and uh, both of you, I get around you, I'm like, I want that, you know? So so what do you want to say? Go on. Okay, ask this question. What's your greatest act of faith then? Let's just go for that then, because I asked them. So, or what, what stands out? What was like, wow, I remember the sweat. I remember the, the feeling of this is crazy. We had a lot of them together. <laughs> I don't know the greatest one. That's hard to answer. Um, <sighs> you had some in, like Indonesia. When yeah, you were Indonesia. Really young. Uh, you know, first of all, uh, I mean, the whole inheritance thing is huge. I mean, my parents are crazy risk takers, and being raised by evangelists is like being raised by a pack of wolves. So if you could survive that, then you're doing pretty good. Um, so I got thrown into trash cans when I was 10 years old, big dumpsters to minister to homeless people and that kind of stuff. So I was kind of, but, but it was awesome. But Indonesia for me, uh, I, I walked on the beach with my parents. I had a one-way ticket to go to Indonesia and uh, I had a one-way ticket, had no return. I didn't know what I was doing. I had no ministry connections. Uh, the Lord said, go. And so I went. I actually looked up, uh, I was reading, um, it was uh, Jesus Freaks, a book with oh, yeah. DC Talk and Voice of the Martyrs. And I looked at the worst persecution and got a prophetic word about islands. And I looked at the worst persecution and it was in China and that time, China and Indonesia. So I decided I'm going to go to Indonesia where the craziest persecution is going on. And because uh, I wanted to encounter God. I, I think for taking risks for me is that I just got frustrated reading what Steve just said, reading the Bible, reading about the God of David, the God of Daniel, the God of Paul and saying, you know what, God, if you're truly the same yesterday, today and forever, you've got to become the God of Chad. The same way that you were wow. the God of David, the God of Daniel. And so I looked for an opportunity for him to show up, that, that, that I was totally dependent on him. And it was Indonesia where I saw villages get saved. I got uh, witch doctors putting curses on me. That was pretty crazy. And, uh, but it was just a, but, but I remember walking on the beach with my parents where they said, we'll see you in heaven. They, they, they just knew, I mean, I might die. And, um, and being on that plane was very, very risky. I was a little scared. I was a little nervous. And, and you were up, young, right? I was 20 years old. And um, I just knew that God told me to go. And it's a whole long story, but, uh, but it was amazing. Amazing stuff happened. Um, I s saw a witch doctor. His son was blind, mute, and deaf. He got completely healed. Uh, the witch doctor, um, the place was very demonized. He got completely healed. Completely healed. He saw, spoke, and heard. 
Yeah. Wow. I said break. I said <laughs> to check. Yeah. We. I just told the translator I had a trans like an interpreter, and I said, bring. Tell him to bring. He was the witch doctor, so I said, tell him to bring um, what what his gods can't heal, because my god is the one true god that will heal any condition, and um, and so. Anyways, um, he brought. He said, "Well, that's easy. It's my son who's was born. Uh, he was 12 years old, born deaf, mute, and blind. And his eyes opened, and he saw his dad for the first time. And uh, his dad was crying. Who's the witch doctor? And um, then prayed for his ears, and his ears opened up. And I had his dad's whisper in his ears, and he was freaking out. The son was freaking out because he's hearing sound for the first time. And I put." his hand on my throat and I put his other hand on his own throat and I just said paw 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 and his first words were paw paw then dad 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 and then he started saying dad and and so anyways um the witch doctor asked me to share with his village and I said no I can't and I um he said you need to introduce Jesus to my village and I said, and then I left and I'm just joking I'm messing around uh, I told I told the I told the witch doctor I said no you need to tell your people about what Jesus did because I'm only here for a few days you are going to be the pastor over this village and he led his village to the Lord it's about you know there's neighboring people neighboring villages and it was about 200 people and uh, it was amazing so yeah that was all because I took risk and I had no idea what I was doing and I think that's the biggest thing is you don't. It's it's about you knowing God and knowing who you are in God, and that um, that He is He's He's the God that shows up today, not just yesterday. And uh, come on, it's good. Well, let's just end the conference call there. We're off <laughs> to Indonesia right now. <laughs> it does that to you, doesn't it? It just does that to you. Yeah, yeah. What about well, you, Joaquin? I I didn't. I didn't grow up with that same inheritance, didn't grow up in a Christian home, and uh, but uh, my family all got saved in the same year, which is a pretty amazing story in itself, but I just have to position myself next to people like like this and just receive that inheritance and just draw on that hunger and just just connect with people who are crazy and people who encourage you and stir you. And So I don't know, there's, there's lots of stories. One that just popped into mind was... Um, um, was just preaching the gospel in a Muslim Muslim po- province in Kenya. We had a, a bus breakdown, and and uh, we got off the bus. And <clears throat> first thing we did it was we walked off the bus and were on was on the property of this Muslim mosque and didn't realize it. And the guy came out and was was yelling at us and screaming, "Get off the property!" And we're like, "Oh, excuse me, sorry." And then we turned the corner and we're and we turned into this open air market. All these thousands of people shopping and just piles of clothes and just that whole scene. And we're in a Muslim province though, and so I turned to the uh, the guy. We had it was me and my friend and a guy who could translate for us. I said, "This is this is an opportunity for Jesus to show up right now. Let's let's tell these people about Jesus." And he was scared. He's like, "Uh, uh-uh, I'm not I'm not doing this." And uh, we had just prayed for these couple ladies, and they got healed, and so God was already starting to move. 
And so I just started yelling out to this this Muslim province right around the corner from the mosque. I just started yelling at the top of my lungs, Jesus is here right now. He's healing bodies. If, come if you need an encounter with God, just come here right now. And, and, and I'm telling the translator, I'm like, tell him what I'm saying. He's like shaking his hand. Like, <laughs> and so I'm just yelling and nobody understands anything I'm saying. <laughs> but I'm making a scene. And uh, so that in itself draws the crowds. All these people come around. And as they finally gather around us, the translator kind of kicks in. He starts telling them what's happening. We're like, these ladies are healed. And they're like bending over and doing all their stuff. And so the presence of God just comes over the, the whole crowd. And we start calling out words of knowledge. People start getting healed through the crowd. People start elbowing their way through the crowd. Like, pray for me. People are falling on their knees. Like as more miracles are happening, people are falling on their knees. Pray for me. Pray for me. People were literally going, what do I have to do to get saved? And it was, it was incredible. Uh, dozen, dozens of people just got born again right there in the, in the Muslim province. People were pulling our clothes like, come pray for my mom. She's sick. And it was, it was a surreal moment. And, um, and literally like, it was it was like a scene out of the Bible, and and then we got a call. the The interpreter's cell phone rang. They're like, "Hey, we got the bus fixed. If we're gonna make our flight, we need to leave right now." And I turned to him. I said, "Leave me here. I'm like I'm like ready to plant a church. Like we're just gonna stay here. We're, we're gonna do this." And then uh, then he reminded me that I was leading the team and that I had to, <laughs> I, was, I was responsible to get the, get the team. And so we left, but it was it was it was an incredible moment. It was so the act of faith was in the leaving and the going. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's, I mean, I think that's that's it. that's also interesting yeah. to me. Is like the the faith in knowing what you are called to and what you're not called to, yeah. um, and not not like reacting wrongly. Um, I can't help but go go in this direction. But somebody there, my brother's ten year old son is blind, cannot walk, talk, or eat by himself. It's always been just in bed. God can do a miracle and. Uh, yeah, we just, uh, let's just agree yeah. for a moment. Just yeah, everyone on this call that. just agree. Yeah. yeah, we just declare healing right now, Lord, Thank that you, you would just touch right now this 10-year-old boy. Lord, we just release your healing presence into that room. Lord, let your, let your presence saturate right now his body. Lord, that you would open up his eyes. And Lord, that his limbs would just begin. We just speak life into the limbs. Lord, that he'd be able to run. He'd be able to play soccer. Lord, he'd be able to eat. Lord, we, he, I just pray, Lord, right now, your healing presence yes, come. God. Breakthrough. Thank you, Father. Surprise us in your goodness, God. Yeah, come on. And, uh, just a testimony, just to, to build on. Um, prayed for a young girl two weeks ago. She um, had Down syndrome uh, at almost three years old, hadn't, hadn't crawled, um, had se- her muscles were severely underdeveloped could only eat through a feeding tube. We prayed for her two weeks ago. And then last week I got a, got a text message that she's now crawling and wow. eating wow. the feeding tube. Okay. All right. Wow. So Jesus. Father, we just released the testimony yes. of Jesus right into this boy in Jesus name. We thank you for surprising us. <laughs> Come on. So good. Wow. Yeah. You know, and I think too, Paul, what's so important with risk and faith is there's a reason why both of us are on here and uh, that that you need people in your life that are more in love with Jesus than you are. You know, I, I married my wife who, when I was dating her, I was so 
encouraged and stretched by her love and passion for Jesus. And then this guy, we've known each other for 10 years and he would do things that would cause me uh, of where I would just grow in my hunger. And we would, we, Joaquin and I, we would drive around the city of Reading, picking up homeless people, hanging out at the bus station. You need friends to take risk with. You, you need people to run with. You need people that, that strengthen you, that, that stretch you, that, uh, that you have fun with in the miraculous. I mean, you know, Joaquin and I would just hang out at the emergency room or we would hang out at, at Denny's and we would just, we'd just be getting, you know, filled with the, the presence and then we'd just go pray for people and this crazy stuff would happen. We, we would experiment. We, you know, it was this place of freedom. And uh, that that's been the the privilege. I mean, Joaquin and I have seen some crazy stuff together. Uh, you know, we got to go to Oregon. I'll never forget when we went to Al- um, Albany. Uh, no, we didn't go to Albany. We went to uh, McMinnville, uh-huh. and we were leading a treasure hunt. And uh, we yeah. he was I'm separate. The story. <laughs> and then he and, and we were we were separate uh, leading a treasure hunt with some um, high schoolers and some youth and some young adults. And so we met in the van and we were sharing testimonies, we're stirring each other up. And, you know, sometimes it's not just like, sometimes you'll see breakthrough and that's like, oh, that will satisfy you. But, But you need to have a place where breakthrough happens and it makes you more hungry for more breakthrough. That you're just like picking up momentum. So we're like, we're just stirring up this place where we took risk for an hour, but we're not satisfied with an hour of risk. That stirs us up to take more risk. It just becomes contagious. And then we, I'm supposed to speak in an afternoon session, but we've got an hour left and we're like, you know what? Let's just continue to pray for people. And and we were in the van and we were, we were making a left hand turn and this, um, (laughs) this, this red light and this car pulls up at the truck with a handicap sticker and we roll down our window. We get the guy to roll down and we're like, hey, what's going on? You have a handicap sticker. He's like, well, I've got metal in my back. And we start praying for him and he starts getting rocked. And then he's like, oh, we're like, move it around. And, you know, we only got like two minutes to pray and to have him check it out and the whole deal. And he's like, oh, it's starting to, something feels different. And then the light turns green and he takes off. But we miss our light rotation. So now we've got to wait another light rotation. And then the next red light, another car pulls up with another handicap sticker. (laughs) And we start praying for them. And we miss our left-hand green arrow. And that person gets touched by God. And then we're sitting for the next light. And a van pulls up with a guy driving with an oxygen mask. Yeah. Which we're like, what is this guy doing driving with an oxygen mask? Like, we need to pray for him. And so we prayed for him. And then we made our light rotation. We made a left-hand turn. And we're like, okay, let's not go back to the conference. Let's go pray for some people. And then one of the young adults says, well, there's a convalescent at home down the street. We're like, oh, plenty of people to pray for there. Let's go there. And and we drive by this this neighborhood where it's a real, you know, not the best neighborhood that you could you could sense. And there's these people that are drinking and and smoking on the on the front lawn. And me and Joaquin look at her like, oh, that's a perfect place for us to go. Like God so wants to touch those people. So we get them to turn around. We're in the church van. It says like Church of McMinnville. We love Jesus. You know, on the van. Like it's totally not incognito. And we've got you know about twelve people in the van or so, ten people. 
And we tell the kids, hey, we'll go check it out and you know, we'll build a connection. Probably not gonna be the best to take everyone out of the van and it's like field trip to the front lawn. So we turn around, we're crossing the street and I turn around, I see all the kids, you know, faces against the window. They're watching like this showdown. And Joaquin goes, Hey guys, you know, does anybody here have any pain in their lower back? And this this younger lady screams, "Who are you? Are you are you a bunch of Christians?" And Joaquin's like, "Well, we love Jesus, you know. And you better just keep on walking then." And she's yelling at us, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking Joaquin just took risk. I mean, he he just lobbed a you know a Holy Spirit grenade in their front lawn. I might as well lob it too because he just got rejected. But you know, that's not. I got to take a risk as well. And so I said, "Hey, did someone here have left ankle pain?" And the, you can kind of tell as the leader of the gang, he looks and goes, are you serious? How do you know this? And I'm like, well, we hear, you know, from Jesus and he's all, he's all, you not messing with me right now? And I'm all, no, he does his gangster walk over to me and he says, it's me. I have, I have left ankle pain. He puts his leg through the fence and I am like going, oh my, here we go. I get on my knees and I'm like, God, you better back me up. <laughs> he didn't even, he didn't even open the gate. Yeah. He just stuck his foot through the fence and said, here you go. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like on my knees saying, God, you better back me up. Like, this is crazy. If, if, if you do not heal this guy, they're going to shoot us or something, you know? And so anyways, I'm praying and I look up at him and I'm like, hey, is all, you know, check it out is there any pain left and he starts moving around starts putting weight so there's no pain at all and i'm like and i always ask this out in you know in the church or outside the church are, are you sure well i don't want them to to you know if it's halfway better i want them to, to tell the truth and and it's okay my name's on the line jesus name's on the line it's okay you got 50 percent better 70 percent better we want to see you get all the way better and he goes he looks down at me and i'm in a bad position i'm on my knees he looks at me and goes, why would I lie to you? What? This guy's calling me a liar. He doesn't even know me. He's calling me a liar. And I'm like freaking out. I'm like, no, no, I just wanted to make sure. And, and he's like, get in here. And so he invites us in. And then Joaquin goes to the porch. And what happens? I saw a vision over this, this young lady's head of like, just stuff she's been through in her life. And so I just start telling her what I, what I see. And uh, I said, you know, it's really easy to take care of that. You just got to invite Jesus into your life. And... And I said, do you want that? And she's like, yes, I want that. I'm like, are you sure that you want that? It's going to mean that your life changes, you know, you can go to church, read the Bible, all this stuff. I'm just not making it easy on her. She's like, yes, I want that. And I'm like, okay, well then I'm going to come up there and pray for you. And, uh, and I start to move and then I realize where we're at. And so I, I asked the, the head guy that Angles just got healed. I'm like, it's okay if I come in and go up there. He's like, yeah, go for it. So go up there, lead her to the Lord as, as I'm praying for her. Another older lady sitting next to her on the porch takes my hand and puts it on top of her head as I'm leading the young lady to the Lord. I don't know what's happening. I just, she just has my hand on top of her head. And when I'm done, I look over to her. I'm like, what's going on with you? And she's like, I just had surgery. She had something like a, a tumor or something removed from her head. I had surgery a few months ago. I've had pain ever since. And I just felt like your hand had to be on top of my head. So she just put it on there and she's like, I felt this warmth go through my head and all the pain is gone. And then Chad comes up and gets a word of knowledge for her knees and her knees get healed. Arthritis, yeah. Yeah, like, and then like 
four or five people get born again at this uh, at this gangbanger picnic. <laughs> yeah, and I was I was over in the I was over on the um, on the grass with the guys, and I said, "Hey, did somebody here? You fell from a second story doing construction, and you have pain in your back." He's like, "Yeah, it's pain in my lower back." And I'm thinking that's Joaquin's word of knowledge. And the guy didn't respond, and I was like. Man, and I was like, "Well, there's grace." So I pray for him; he gets completely healed, and a couple other people get healed. It was just an amazing time. But that's what happens when you have friends that stir each other up, and that uh, it's just uh, it's so much fun. Yeah. Which is really what I mean. What this this is all about is creating wow. a culture yeah. of risk and faith. And what you you know what you said earlier on yeah. is you know you need people in your life who love Jesus more. It's culture. You know, friends to take risk with. It's it's culture, mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah, we can cultivate it on our own to some extent. But I mean, the Bible's pretty clear. It's two or three. Mm-hmm. You know, there. You know, one can do this, but two yeah. can do this. There's there's a there's an actual principle, and you know what what we really, really want to challenge all of you with is is to create the culture of faith um, and risk in in your in your ministry, your church, your business, your office, whatever that is. You know, and. Uh, you know, I just spent a weekend with a bunch of healthcare professionals in Fargo and, uh, you know, we got to teach doctors how to pray for their patients. And it was like, which is crazy. (laughs) It was creating, it was, it was going, you can create this culture in, in your, in your office, in your environment. And, uh, so, you know, you, you given some, I think you've given some great keys there actually of, of how to create a culture in, Mm -hmm. in the church, in the office, whatever, whatever you're a part of um and uh so yeah any you know now if you see any questions up there you want to just grab hold of there, and answer you're very welcome just there to, is to something run with them. that i wanted to say actually when we were we were sitting here and we were listening to steve's portion of the thing all of a sudden i got this i got this this impression from the lord to talk about risk in prayer mm, and on. we often you know it's become part of our culture to talk about risk in the natural, you know, right. taking yeah. risk. But the reality is that, that risk actually starts in your prayer life. Mm. And I actually yeah. think that people yeah. have the opportunity to take way more risk in the way they pray and in their prayer closet. Like we love the stories of, you know, you seeing bunch of people get healed in a Muslim province, but do you pray those type of prayers in your prayer closet? Do you, do you pray like, God, let, let me see gangbangers get healed. Do you like, do you see it happening in your, in your prayer closet? Do you see witch doctors getting born again? I mean, those are, those are risky prayers to pray. And I think some of us don't even go there. And then we wonder why it doesn't happen uh, in our life. And so I would just challenge people to start to pray crazy prayers and envision crazy prayers because we all have, we all know the areas of our life where God does meet our prayers. Like we pray, we lay it out there, God comes and meets us there. We can take more risk in the way we pray. That's really good. And I actually, there, I took away something from um, a school of ministry student a number of years ago. He was seeing a lot of crazy stuff on the streets and, and, you know, somebody asked him, like, how do you see all this crazy stuff one time? He said something really simple. He said, he's like, I pray for, I pray for divine appointments all the time. I pray that God will bring the people across my path who are ready for a radical encounter. Wow. And I was like, well, that's so simple. Like, (laughs) you know, he, he had just told this story where he pulled up next to a guy at a stoplight and he had hearing aids in. And so he's like, Hey, roll down your window. And the guy ended up pulling over. They both got out of the car. He prays for him. His deaf ears open up. And people are like, how do you, how does that happen to you? Well, he's like, 
I pray and I ask God to bring that stuff across my path. I'm like, it's such, it's so simple. And uh, just one other thing on that is like one of my favorite prayers that I've learned to pray of late is, is God surprised me today in just how good you are. Like, I love to ask God to surprise me. Because in Ephesians 3, when it talks about knowing his love so that we can be filled with his fullness. And then it says, so now that he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we think or imagine. And I just realized that if God's going to do more than we could think or imagine, it has to be a surprise. So, like, God, how are you going to surprise us today? And, uh, I mean, just the other day... Surprise me, God. I was in Germany, and we, I was out with the pastor, and we just had lunch. You know, he bought us lunch, and we had a really great latte, and I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I really want another latte, but the pastor's by, and I'm like, I don't know if I should, if I should ask for another one. Just then a lady, three tables down, she walks over with a coupon, and a couple of coupons. You go, does anybody here want a latte? And I'm like, how does that happen? I was just thinking that in my head. She walks over. So then she goes, she lays the coupons down. I'm like, that's amazing. I go, where'd she come from? I look over. She's sitting at a table, three tables down, and her mom's with her in a wheelchair. And I'm like, oh, well, let's go thank her properly. So we go there. We go there. That's the way you think, right there. You, her mom, her mom. We ask why her mom's in the wheelchair. She's got degeneration in her spine. We say, can we pray for you? She says, yeah. We pray for her. She's like, oh, thank you very much. We're like, we're like, no, we believe something just happened. Check it out. She starts moving. She's like, oh my goodness, all the pain's gone. She gets up out of a wheelchair. She yes! starts walking laps in the restaurant, and she leaves pushing her own wheelchair. Come on, well, that's it. But and it all began with a latte. It, it began with a latte. It began with it began with asking God to surprise me, you know. And I just I just have gotten in the habit Amazing. of asking him to do that every day, and the crazy stuff that. happens. Wow. Yeah, you know, Joaquin talked about divine appointments, and just really quick, I just truly believe if you want to be a risk taker, and you know, John Wimber said that you got to spell faith R I S K, and that. That when things feel inconvenient, if you're if you're asking God to grow in certain places, whether it's you know Him being the provider, Him being whatever, when it feels inconvenient, those are God opportunities to to really uh, to for breakthrough. Whenever it feels inconvenient, that uh, that it's just God opportunities for breakthrough. So sometimes I'll be like, yeah, I want to grow in healing, or I want to grow. And it will be when I'm I'm with my boss, or well, I've got a great boss, but but I mean, in a sense of where I, you know, for Best Buy, I worked at Best Buy. I don't know if we're allowed to say that, but anyways, I used to work for. Uh, yeah, you can work. For okay, you. okay. Um, uh, but you can work for somebody else. Yeah, you already yeah. said it now. So. Yeah. Well, anyways, moving along, uh, that. That I, when I was working, I was like, God, I want to grow in healing. And there were so many opportunities to pray for people while I was working where I was like, oh, is this okay? And, and I just did it in a really good way. But people were starting to get healed. And it felt really inconvenient. But I was just stewarding what was on my life saying, no, I'm doing a service for my boss. For I mean, a lot of people get healed. They would actually buy stuff. So that was really good. But... 
But then employees, my coworkers started coming to me for prayer. And then the boss comes to me and says, hey, you can't keep praying for people at work. So this is what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to put your break schedule and that you, you'll you have people that ride in, know when your break is and they'll take the same time as their break. And you can pray for them on your break or your lunchtime. And so it was brought this atmosphere where they all recognized, okay, God, you know, Chad's carrying something. And I got to like have an opportunity to be a light and take risk in my job, my workplace where it served my employee or my employer. And that, and then I got to see God show up. But there's so many times where things feel inconvenient, where it's actually an invitation to grow that, that if you, it's what really do you value more? Do you value the fear of man? Do you value what other people think? Do you value, you say you want to grow with God. You want to, you know, grow in healing and you're around your family and someone says they have a headache and you're just like, Oh, what are they going to think? And those thoughts are going to try to like, we're not going to tell you fear doesn't ever knock on the door of your heart. We're just giving you tools to not answer, to recognize fear and that, that you would recognize, okay, I'm going to open the door to faith. That, that, that fear will always knock on the door of your heart. I actually use fear as a measuring stick. I use fear as a thermometer of like, if fear, if fear is there to paralyze me, keep me from stepping into my destiny, the opposite is faith where David ran into battle. You know, you see all these times where the nation of Israel was paralyzed with fear, but you had one person that moved in faith that broke open that spirit for a whole nation that they didn't have to live under that. They actually, Use that place of fear of this is an opportunity. Giants, their destiny is to fall, not not to mock the armies of the living God. That's their destiny is to give glory to God. So this is perfect, and that's the thoughts of a giant. Yeah, a little too cool. Yeah. So, so I'm just telling you. That's why I like to hang out with this guy. So, so seriously, he works for me. Okay, let's just get this clear. The guy's on my team now. So there'll be more there is a reason. I mean, like it, it's it's it would be a total, it would it would be totally misleading you to say that we're not afraid anymore. There are moments when we feel afraid, but actually you have to learn how to strengthen yourself in the Lord to say, okay, wow, the enemy is trying to keep me from stepping into my destiny. So the opposite of that is God is giving me an invitation for me to step into my destiny. And there's some things I kind of take back and think to myself, why am I scared of that? Why am I scared to pray for that lady in a wheelchair? Why am I scared for me being a conduit of heaven for the power of God to go through my life and touch this person in the wheelchair? They jump out of the wheelchair. They start dancing. Everyone sees the, the, the love of God, the goodness of God, and everyone gets to see a display of his goodness. Oh, I'm scared of that? No, I'm born for that. That's what I was born for. And, you know, this will be the things that you're the scared, you're scared the most about. Are probably the things that you're called to carry the the craziest anointing in. You know, yeah, Bill Johnson dude. was terrified yeah. of public speaking. If you've ever heard Bill speak, he is amazing. He has an anointing for public speaking, and he was terrified going to school where he actually had a public speaking class that he went to his teacher and said, "Hey, I'll just take an F right now. Can I just not even do the public speaking? Can I just take an F?" And it's the things that 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 terrify you that you probably carry an anointing for, and so. Wow. We just break the spirit of fear off of you. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. I love yeah, no, I'm, I'm kind of almost seeing you, Guy, you two, between you, you're kind of like mapping out this path to faith, yeah. to a greater level of faith, to a greater level of risk. I mean, if you kind of pull some of these things you're saying, you know, starting 
starting in the prayer closet, so to speak, seeing in prayer before you ever get out yeah, on the streets, asking key. for the surprises, hang out with people who love Jesus more, um, you know, kind of have friends with people who take, who take mm-hmm. risks, you mm-hmm. know, uh, and there's almost this kind of like path that you're, you're yeah. like creating, you're painting this path for people to walk on. It's, it's very practical as well. I would yeah. like to think. add one thing. You can say anything you into like. Into that. <laughs> and actually, uh, it answers the I am going to get saved though. <laughs> um, it answers one of the questions up there about, you know, people wanting to, to pray for people outside of the four walls and being afraid of, you know, their prayers won't be answered and that type of thing. It's something that, that really has helped me and, and helped just, um, dozens of people you know as, as i share it's it's in the bible when 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 the bible says you can't please god apart from faith yeah but the reality is for me and i like to use the example you know if you come up on a bus stop and you see somebody with a cane and and you make that that decision like oh you know i i'm supposed to be somewhere in 15 minutes what if it doesn't happen should i should i not and you go okay i'm going to and you say excuse me I know she have a cane. Can I pray for you? And you pray for them. They feel fire go down their leg. They're like, oh, the pain's gone. They start moving around. You turn to the rest of the people at the bus stop. You're like, God just did a miracle. Who else needs healing in your body? A bunch more people get healed. You're like, who wants to know this Jesus? A whole bunch of hands go up. People get born again. And you walk away from that amazing encounter with God. But the question is, in that whole scenario, when was the greatest moment of faith? It wasn't when the people got born again. It wasn't when the crowd got healed. It wasn't even when the guy with the cane got healed. It was that moment when you when you wrestled inside and you went, should I, should I not? What if it doesn't happen? Okay, I'm going to go for it. And you say, excuse me. That that moment when you go, excuse me, that's the moment that, that it says, God is pleased. Come on. And there's actually, wow. in my revelation, it's like, the moment that I choose to trust God, yeah. that brings yeah. pleasure to Him. Yeah. And whatever yeah. happens, if the person gets healed or doesn't get healed, that's just overflow. God's heart is already exploding with, ha ha, look at that guy or that, or that girl. They actually chose to believe what I said. Yeah. And so my relationship with the Father, I, the same scenario, I could walk up to the guy with the cane and go, hey, excuse me, I know she had a cane, you might be praying for you. He's like, no, get away from me, that's weird. And I'm like, oh, sorry, and I, and I walk away, and nothing happened. But between me and God, God's going, ha ha, well done. Yep. Yeah. Thank you for that's trusting really me. And I could actually walk away from that situation going, ha, huh, I won. That's a victory. Yeah, I chose to believe God. And if we can embrace that that is the victory, everything else that happens is just the icing on the cake, yeah. then it makes taking risk a whole lot easier. Yeah, that decision brought a manifestation of all that, Absolutely. the miraculous and everything. I mean, I believe heaven's perspective on success is taking risk. Like, like you are not a failure. I believe that failure is staying in the boat. That the moment that Peter stepped out of the boat, all of heaven was celebrating Peter. 
And that, that, that's what we're called to is that, that we're called to take risks. That doesn't matter, you know, that what, what happens after in the sense of, it's about us taking risks. It's about us stewarding that place of faith and taking risks. That, that, that we know that heaven's perspective on us, when we take risks, that is success. Yeah. That so much of man's perspective on success is that you take risk in investment, you take risk in business, and you have nothing to show for it. You don't have a 10% you know, increase or whatever. Then that's you, you failed in that investment. But that's such a lie for the enemy to say that that's spiritual, that's in the supernatural, that's the things of the kingdom. It's all about taking risks. And that's how we please God is by faith and that, that wow. we are successful when we step out of the that's boat, yeah. that you learn about the supernatural when you take risks, that Peter learned a valuable lesson that the other 11 disciples did not learn that when he took his eyes off of Jesus, he fell in the water. And so he's like, all right, next time I take a walk with Jesus out in the water, I'm going to keep my eyes on him. I'm going to take a longer walk. But the other 11 disciples didn't learn that. If you want to learn about the kingdom, if you want to learn about God's nature, you've got to take risks. And that's that's the great journey. And we're always learning. We're always, you know, we're always the student of learning. And that's what happens is you take risks. You learn about the kingdom. You learn about God's nature. Uh, you know, yes. I actually, this I'm sounds, this sounds funny, but it sounds funny, but I actually enjoy getting it wrong. I actually enjoy. No, that's not normal. <laughs> Context, context. I'll, I'll explain. I, I enjoy giving a word of knowledge in public and getting it wrong sometimes, like yeah, yeah. because okay, it, yeah. it keeps my heart in the right place yeah. out of what I just explained. Like, if that's gonna ruin me, then my yeah. heart wasn't in the right place. Yeah. But if my heart yeah. is just to like show God that I trust Him. Then getting it wrong is just as powerful as getting it right. And if I can walk away from getting wow. it wrong and with a smile on my face and like joy in my heart, then I'm like, huh, I'm I'm doing this all. And you right. know that God has a smile on his totally. face. Totally. Yeah. And out of that place, like the most incredible things happen. And I can't tell you how many times the greatest miracles I've ever seen started with I got it wrong. Like I asked somebody at one table, like, hey, do you have this wrong with yeah. your body? And they're like, No. And I'm like, Oh, okay, sorry about that. And somebody at the table next to them will be like, uh, no, but I do. And they're like, Oh, okay. And then all these miracles will happen, people will get saved, and it all started with a mistake. It started wow. with you missed it. So anyway, I actually enjoy that process of like, yeah, sometimes I get it right. Sometimes I get it wrong. If I can smile on both occasions, and I know I'm, I'm doing it right. Yeah, this is good stuff. I mean, it's almost like show me an entrepreneur who's made millions who hasn't lost millions. Yeah, absolutely. It's the same kind of principle, really. It's mm -hmm. the, the man of faith that hasn't got it wrong, that hasn't tripped up a couple of times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, you know, I mean, I just have so many things buzzing around in my head from what you, what you guys are sharing, because I think you're really bringing something really... I mean, we've done this four or five years now, but there's something fresh on what you guys are both really bringing. I think it's really profound, and uh, I just want to kind of encourage you just to pull some of these nuggets out and go, what do I do with that? Like, what? how do I put that into practice? How do I How do I create a culture of risk? How, how do I, you know, when I stand up with the microphone, you know, will I stand up, you know, telling stories of other people's stories, or will I start to be the man or the woman of risk and... Uh, you know, don't 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 limit what that looks like. Yeah. But I think there's some really profound stuff here. And you know, I, I mean, I it's probably something that was going on yesterday in me of, over another subject. But 
I just started thinking of it's almost this concept of, you know, 28 days of risk. You know, what would it look like if you actually made a conscious decision, took some of these key principles and said, OK, I'm going to lead 28 days of risk. We're going to pray risky prayers. We're going to we're going to put people together with wow. other risk takers. We're going to do some deliberate stuff in our yeah. church for 28 yeah. days of risk. And, and I was like, OK, well, you know, because the way my brain works, you know that. But, you know, it's almost like it's a fear fast. It's like I'm going to fast, letting yep. fear dominate my life oh, for yes. 28 days. Yeah. yeah, and I just I I I don't know it's the Lord or it's just a a fun thing to throw out there. But but what would it look like if we took a 28 days of faith life and we we said okay, what does that look like? You know, and uh, and we fasted fear. We fasted allowing fear. Somehow we were able to catch that little thought that comes in and go. You're not. You're not governing the next movement of my life, and wow. like what you were saying, I can't remember. I can't remember the exact phrase, but it's almost like you're identifying the uh, the moment of engagement. Yeah, it was like well, I don't know what the military call it, but there's a military phrase around that. But it's like the moment that you engage has got absolutely nothing to do with the act. It's yeah. the thing in your head. Yeah. If if we could learn how to do that be amazing this is good guys i'm really enjoying this wow, yeah wow. do we have time to answer you can question? answer anything you like you can say anything uh, cindy, you like you can pray for the sick you can, you can cindy asked the question what do you do if you feel god leading you to pray for someone you ask them if you can pray for them and they say no um first off i i make it really easy for people to say yes when they say no to me, they might be saying no to uh, their perspective of Christianity that, that no one, I have a conviction that no one really can say no to Jesus. If they actually know who Jesus is, yeah. they cannot say no that their spirit is crying out for a connection. They were designed and made to be connected to the Father, to be yes. connected to Jesus. So so they, there is a yes in there. It's just making, I make it as very easy for them to say yes. So if I hear somebody say no, wow. uh, this is, is, for example, I'm like, I notice they're limping. I'm like, hey, what's going on? Are you limping there? They're at the grocery store. And they're like, hey, I'm in a, you know, uh, I twisted my ankle or whatever. And I'm like, oh, can I pray for you? Oh, I don't want prayer. And they're thinking, you know, that you're going to say a couple of Hail Marys or you're going to get their email and you're going to like try to get them to come to your church so that you'll, they'll sit in the seat. And I'm like, no, no, no. I just want to just pray for you right now. It'll take, a, it'll take a moment. It'll take a second. You know, I don't need to, I don't need three minutes for Jesus to come down from heaven to earth and that it could happen like that. So I make it very convenient for them, very easy for them. And she still says no. I usually will hear four or three no's. And uh, before I'm like, okay, that's good. Like I'll say, oh, I'll walk with you. You're in a, they'll, they'll say I'm in a hurry. Well, that's no problem. Um, I'll make it so convenient for them to say yes. I'll say I'll walk with you. I don't need to touch you. Jesus, just heal her ankle right now as we're walking. What a beautiful day, you know. Just Jesus loves you so much. I might give her like a quick prophetic word. I'm like, hey, this it, we got to her car. Just check it out. She's like, oh my gosh, my left ankle, it's, it's, there's no pain. And then suddenly she has all the time in the world. She's like asking me questions. I'm like, hey, aren't you in a hurry? Oh, no, oh, forget that. No, how did you do this? I want what you have. And like, I've seen that over and over again where I make it as convenient, but also having that social awareness where when they are saying no, when they are, you know, like, get away from me. And, but here's the other thing really quick is um, Bill spoke this message a long time ago and I've taken it to heart 
where Israel does farming. I got to go to Israel and how and watched how they farm, where they throw out they have seed bearers, where they throw out the seeds, and the plowman. There's a guy that watches where they throw out seeds, and the plowman follows where they throw out the seeds. And there's a scripture in Isaiah that says that the plowman uh, will always will follow the seed bearers. And, uh, and so it's our job to throw out seeds. So many people are, I used to believe the lie of, oh my gosh, like, am I going to push people further away from Jesus, you know, by presenting the gospel? And that person got a harder heart because of me being a witness. And, and the Lord said, you know, that's, that's a lie that your job is the steward throwing out seeds that, that, so that, what that looks like is, I sit on an airplane, someone's next to me, and they said, oh, young man, what do you do? And I don't like to be put in a box. I don't like to say I'm a pastor all the time or an evangelist or itinerant. <laughs> I say, uh, I'm a physician's assistant, and I was just in your, you know, I was in the city of Seattle doing a conference with the greatest physician in the world, in history. We saw, I, he, he saw, uh, he sees cancer healed all the time. <laughs> he sees Parkinson's oh, disease healed all the time. And they're like, what? Oh my gosh, I'm in need of this physician. My, my <laughs> wife is in need of this physician. Where, where can I find him? Oh yeah. And they're breaking out their iPhone and I'm like, well, his name is Jesus. And they're like, what? You mean Jesus, Jesus? And they're like hitting the call sign, you know, getting the stewardess. I got a Jesus freak next to me. Get me out of here. Sit, you know, let me switch seats. And I could recline my chair back and just think to myself, it's too late. Whoa. The seed has been planted. The seed has been planted because I believe that Christians have so much more fruit than they realize. They will realize how much fruit we have because our job to throw out seeds and that the plowman who is the king of glory yeah. will follow yeah. that you create a target in heaven for the king of glory so to good. penetrate their hearts that you your job is to steward the seeds that you going up to someone at a grocery store and saying you know what I believe your smile is going to bring people joy and they're like that sounds like a bunch of Christian talk, you know, see Backlund get a hold of you or something like, I hate that Christian stuff. And you think you totally push them away from God, but you don't know what happens after you leave. That God's way bigger than just your ministry. That it might be that they have an uncle who's full of faith. And like a couple of days later, they hit rock bottom. They're like, you know what? I met one of your crazy Christian friends that are full of joy and I can't take it anymore. I want to know this Jesus. And then you are attached to the, them getting wrapped saved that it's amazing so I believe that we're attached to so much fruit that it's our job that you never take away when you feel like you're a failure when someone says no when someone says they're not healed you it is your job to throw out seeds so that the plowman will follow wherever the seeds so are thrown out wow amen, amen. <laughs> wow this is good this is good stuff yeah we could probably go on all day on this one you know but you got some keys we haven't had a we haven't gone through all of the the questions, but I think a lot of them are actually being being answered by by these two right the way through. We've got testimonies up there and incredible examples. But really, I want to I really want to just be focusing and we're going to minister and and impart. And I want to actually allow a little bit longer than we normally do. I just don't want a casual closing prayer because I've got a feeling that there are enough keys in this call um, for you, your life, and your your ministry, and actually ultimately your city. Um, to be absolutely transformed. I mean, I'm sitting here at Bethel with all that I get to do, and I'm thinking, man, there's another, there's an upgrade. I can feel it, you know. And and then I'm smiling to myself that I really was once a physician's assistant because I was a nurse, <laughs> and I ran a prison and set the captives free. I can get away with loads of these job titles, and, you know. It's perfect. I'm just gonna borrow your job titles. Yeah, you know, I got a certificate for that job. <laughs> So, um, but you know, I really want you to position yourselves for this. This is, uh, 
this this will really change your lives and change your ministry just the keys that these guys are, are giving of you know what, what am i going to start to pray for um i remember listening i think her name was dina i think it was dina smith my first ever ministry trip early 2000s went to uh, rich oliver's church and she was speaking and she told this story about how all of her life she had rehearsed in her prayer life and in her mind how she would raise the dead she just rehearsed it she would see herself walking down corridors in hospitals she would see herself she'd see herself approaching the dead body and prayerfully and thoughtfully and mentally she was prepared for that moment and then the two times that it occurred she said i was ready i did i was absolutely ready i'd prepared the ground and one of them was on a beach with a, with a surfer who died and she went over pushed her way through raised from the dead and then the other one was in a restaurant where somebody fell off a chair collapsed absolutely no question dead and prayed for them and it's kind of like the preparation this prep preparing our souls our prayer life our risk um there's a huge piece of it there like i i think some other things for these guys to pray you know who could you hang out with my wife sue's favorite quote of randy clark is hang out with people with more anointing than you that's basically what these guys have just said hang out with people who love jesus more than you have a have a check in your life and make sure that you are you know to be honest, you know, leaders employ somebody that's got a greater anointing yes. uh, for for risks than you have, and don't be threatened by them. Just bring them onto your team. Bring on people who love Jesus more than you love Jesus. Bring on radical lovers of Jesus, really intercessors, good. people who wow. walk in faith. Don't don't be afraid of it, because because the fear thing is kicking in then organisationally, um, and this covers every every area wow. of, of life. You know, when I look back and think the the acts that I've taken out of faith. If I hadn't done them because of fear, I, I start shaking with what I would have missed out on, you know? Mm. I mean, it's like, it really is that big. So just kind of a bunch of challenges, but I just, I just feel like you guys just want you just to, just to minister, just to, just to pray, just to speak out, um, yeah. whatever you want to do, words and knowledge. We got, we got 10 minutes just to, to change the world, basically. We wouldn't do that. <laughs> that's, that's nine minutes too long for I, both of you. I but. feel a lot. It's you. It's got to you. Okay. Amen. Well, that's a faith builder right there. And everybody in us has got a trigger pulled back. We just had never pulled the, uh, we've got the, the, got it cocked back. We hadn't pulled the trigger, but we want to, and we're just looking for the path to do it. And part of it is just personal boldness to be a risk taker. And uh, one thing we've been studying on Sunday morning is um, the exponential factor where we say two of us can do more than each of us. Hallelujah. So we're getting this together. We're walking forward together and we're getting stronger together. and We're going to pull the trigger. Hallelujah. And you know, as we pray these prayers, these risky prayers, you know, the Lord's going to bring them to you and you're and it's going to work. And once it works, doggone, once it works, you'll never want to go back. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So isn't that a blessing? Praise Amen. God. Whoo, that was good. Well, that wasn't preaching. It's was better than any preaching you've heard in a while. Amen. I thought it was. It was excellent. Amen. Any questions about any of this this evening, Pamela? You just, you just, you just apply it and minister it. You, you just stay in faith about it and don't agree with them, and just never say, "Well, maybe this stuff doesn't work sometimes." Yeah. And that's the key right there. You always leave them feeling loved. You know, 
you can tell them sometimes this stuff works overnight but jesus loves you and he is on it just you know you there's just a lot of things and and that's what you have the holy spirit for you might not even be able to address that question in this forum but when you when you're in that place it'll just rise up in you you know because we're praying when we pray right prayers then we'll have right answers when when we come to that place it's 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 awesome I tell you, this world needs us. We are getting trained for a world that, uh, like that Muslim community where they just pile on you. I know we've been rejected in so many ways, and it seems like that it's not going to work, but it's, it is working already. You can see it right here in this city, and uh, we're all here in Tuscaloosa for such a time as this. And we're all taking hold of this gospel so that we can make it work. It couldn't work before. There were some missing things, but we're getting every key we need right now. Amen. One of the keys that we talked about Sunday is honor. Or you, you, you could tell there's no competition between those two young men. Just, you know, tag teaming and everything. We have to get that completely drained out. We have to have total respect and honor for one another. Where, where, you know, because anybody that wants to have their own honor is not going to be able to bring honor. So then we, we've learned, been learning about being sons, where we just have to always keep that mantle. I am a son of the Most High God. I'm always learning. I'm always receiving. I'm always being fathered. And then suddenly the Lord will raise you up to help somebody that is also a son. So it's marvelous, and it all fits together. So I appreciate y'all. Just not looking to the left or the right, just looking at Jesus, the author and the developer and the finisher of our faith. He's, he, what difference does it make what anybody else is doing? Jesus is right, and we're following him. So it just doesn't matter. Hallelujah. We're going to receive our, our midweek tithes and offerings, so hallelujah. If you need an envelope.